The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix Podcast. Tune in today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora tato, this is Toby Manhai with another episode of your friendly local politics podcast, Gone by Lunchtime. What you're about to hear is part of the Gone by Lunchtime Megapod, a 12-hour epic event recorded on September 20 at Spinoff HQ. Enjoy. Kia ora tato, this is the Megapod. I'm Toby Manhai and we're joined on the phone by one of... Aotearoa's sharpest minds on international relations, Professor Robert Patman of the University of Otago. Hello, Robert. Hello, Toby. How are you doing? Did you watch the debate last night by any chance? I did. Did you? um, I'm interested interested to know what you thought of the... There was one question on foreign policy that I detected. Yeah. What did you make of that? I I thought it was... uh, I was a bit disappointed with the preparation for the debate, if I have to be candid. Hmm. They could have asked... um, Chris Luxon or Christopher Hipkins, they could have asked them a question, what do you see as your number one foreign policy issue? Mm. Instead, they asked a question which both of them were quite understandably reluctant to speak on because it could have, if they answered it, it could cause an international incident. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, it's what, in sporting terms, it was a hospital pass. And, of course, they both uh, refused to speak about it. And, and that's fair enough. But it's a shame because... Uh, foreign policy is the elephant in the room. This country does trade globally with more than 100, 100 countries. And, you know, a, a big chunk of the what the wealth of this country the in, in the agricultural sphere, um, in, in terms of the, I think it's about 29% of our GDP, it's quite a hybrid ratio, goes to exports. So we have a big stake in the international environment. But um, you wouldn't always think that when you watch our election debates. The question that was asked for those who didn't see the debate last night was well, how, how, you, how would you respond if China was invading Taiwan? And the answer given was that's yeah. a hypothetical I'm not going to get into. And as you say, Robert, you don't, the last thing you want to do is to end up in the, in the pages of the Global Times or, or some Chinese newspaper. You, you said you could have asked what is your foreign policy priority. If you were going to ask, ask a question in a debate... Um, if we popped you into a debate like the angry fence man, yeah. um, what, but on a particular subject, what, what subject would you probe? Well, I think I would probably ask for the, 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 what is the biggest challenge to what New Zealand stands for in the world, which is Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, New Zealand depends critically on what's called an international rules-based order. That is where international relations is based on principles and rules rather than raw power. Mm. Mr. Putin has sought to upturn the system by illegally invading a neighbour. So we have a huge stake in Mr. Putin failing in Ukraine. So are we actually doing enough to bring that about? And I think that would have been one of my questions. So it can seem a long way away. It can seem 
distant, but... It can, but when you think that two key players in our neighbourhood, China and India, both in the Indo-Pacific, are two heavyweights in the world, and they are um, tacitly supporting the invasion of a liberal democracy by an authoritarian state, then we realize that it's not just far away because it has huge consequences for the region which we regard um, as, you know, our neighborhood, the Indo-Pacific. So it, it's, it, it may seem far away, but it has both economic consequences in terms of uh, uh, price of food and fuel, but it also has diplomatic consequences because if Mr. Putin succeeds in what he's doing, it will certainly have reverberations in the mm. region that we consider to be our neighbourhood. It's a delicate dance, as so many of these diplomatic priorities are, in that mm. China is our biggest trading partner. India, we want to increase sure. uh, two-way trade with precisely because we're so dependent on China at the moment. Is there sure. a risk in, in, in upping or being more vocal or being more muscular in our support of I think we could quietly increase yeah. our military support for President Zelensky's government. The best way to deal with Chinese assertiveness, um, in my view, is not to necessarily join AUKUS, but to actually um, try to give more support for a country which is the victim right. of an invasion by an ally of China. Because that will have... If Mr. Putin's defeated in the Ukraine, that will be a major crisis for Xi Jinping. Um, he stuck his neck out in supporting the illegal invasion of, an, uh, of, uh, of another sovereign state. Um, and he may have to deal with the consequences, but that's not our problem. Um, and it wouldn't, you know, um, at the end of the day, we wouldn't be, if you like, pitching our action at China. We'd be pitching it at Russia. Mm. The, I mean, Zelensky, of course, was at the General Assembly overnight, yep. reiterating his call for leaders around the world to throw their support um, behind Ukraine, to up their support militarily. One of the things that has been talked about here that Luxon was asked after the debate last night was whether if he were to become Prime Minister, he would follow through on his pledge to chuck out the Russian ambassador. Is that the sort of thing that we should be doing? What else does it look like in real terms for New Zealand to be upping its contribution? I think we've, we've contributed about 70 million, that round about 70 million, more than 70 million in humanitarian and military aid, and that includes training. And by the way, New Zealand's Defence Force apparently has been very successful in training Ukrainians mm -hmm. in both mm -hmm. in London and I believe also Germany. But um, sorry, not London in the UK. Yeah. Uh, but the the point I'm making here is, uh, I, if you look at our contribution, it's pretty modest given what's at stake for us as a relatively small country that depends critically on the rule of law internationally, and. Uh, here we have a country which gave up its nuclear capabilities and as a liberal democracy has been invaded. It's very important, given the global ramifications of this conflict, uh, that we do more. And I was in Canberra recently and there's been hmm. noises about, you know, uh, Australia's given 610 million in military assistance alone. Now, Australia's a much bigger country and I'm not saying we can compete with that, but I think we could do a little bit more. And also... 
I mean, it was quite noticeable to me that a New Zealand leader hasn't met with President Zelensky to e- express solidarity. Mm. Mm. And um, I, I feel this... You know, I think Hipkins all, brushed past him in the corridor, get... didn't he, in Lithuania or something? That's right. Yeah, and I'm sure... And Mr. Zelensky has... President Zelensky has gone on record as saying he appreciates the support. Mm. He's not... I, I just feel... This is such a big issue for this country's well-being internationally that we should really be there shoulder to shoulder as much as we can uh, within the constraints of what's available here. Uh, I just think that it's an issue Mm. which has huge reverberations for the Indo-Pacific, the region which we see as our, our central sort of region of concern. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. You mentioned Australia. One of the yeah. current issues insofar as foreign uh, foreign policy is in headlines in New Zealand is AUKUS, which is, of course, yeah. Australia, UK, US. And that's designed as much as anything as a counterweight to China, I think, but it also represents a kind of collective voice in terms of Ukraine, other issues. The New Zealand's role in that would be in a pillar two, as I think they're calling it, rather than we're not about to jump into a yep. military alliance. Is that a step in the right direction? Is that... I mean, obviously, it's a conversation no, we have. I, I don't but... think so. I, I, I don't think uh, joining the Anglosphere uh, is seen as particularly credible in a part of the world where 60% of the population is. The, the thing is, many countries like Indonesia are deeply nervous about Chinese assertiveness, mm-hmm. but they don't see um, three English-speaking countries as upholding what they see as the rules-based international order as necessary, the key to effectively mm. deterring China. Um, I, I think, and, and for New Zealand, it's a big risk because we have been very successful in projecting the norm and the value of uh, non-nuclear security. There is a risk uh, that if we join even Pillar 2, we will be seen as hypocrites. And the reason we might be seen as hypocrites is because countries of the Pacific Island states signed the re- Treaty of Rorotong with us, which banned the nuclear proliferation, and also the countries of ASEAN have also signed a comparable agreement in 1995. So there's a lot Mm. of countries carefully watching us to see whether we're going to be completely consistent with what we've been advocating internationally, which is um, an anti-nuclear message, and uh, and we were a key player in driving what was called the Treaty for the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. So the Joining an organisation, which part of which is in the process of transferring nuclear power submarines to uh, mm. Australia, uh, is not perhaps 
you know, it will co- it will cause us difficulties right. in terms of our, our messaging internationally. The other thing I'd like to add, uh, Toby, I recently came back from Canberra, and one of the things that really surprised me, hmm. uh, I expected all the Australians to be really gung-ho about orcas. I spoke to people both in the military and in the diplomatic area, and actually there is a deep concern that uh, Australia is overcommitting itself with orcas. It's huge expenditure hmm. between 286, 268 million and 368 million, and it will probably exceed that, in order to get five uh, Virginia-class nuclear-powered submarines by about 2035. And many people in the military area see that as too extravagant, too far off, and also putting too much strain on the resources they have at the moment. So... Um, because there's having to be budget cuts within the Australian military budget in order to accommodate this huge expenditure mm. that's carrying over for a number of decades. So that, I think I think there's a bit of a debate unfolding now in, in Australia. And, of course, a big question both for New Zealand and Australia. What happens if there's a change of government in the United States? Right. At the moment, both countries are very comfortable with Mr Biden being, um, if you like, head of AUKUS, uh, but if Mr. Trump came to power, or Mr. DeSantis, or uh, you know, would they be comfortable mm. being part of an enhanced security arrangement uh, under that sort of leadership? Uh, and the answer seems to be both in Australia and New Zealand, no. So even in your mind, even uh, attaching ourselves, becoming a member of Pillar 2, which is a very different kind of level of involvement to the, the main partners. It is, that but would it's still be seen, That would be seen as in some way compromising or affecting our independence, our independent doubt, foreign policy? I, I don't doubt that our decision makers are absolutely genuine. They say it won't for one moment dilute our commitment, mm. uh, but it's the perception of others. Yeah. And by the way, uh, New Zealand's diplomacy has been very successful in spreading the non-nuclear security message in the Indo-Pacific. And so, in a sense, we, we need to be very careful with this. The yeah. other thing is, what would we get out of it? Shared, sharing, cutting-edge defence technology? But we can, I mean, you know, the UK and the US don't have a monopoly on that technology. Yeah. We have very good relations with NATO. We're an informal partner with NATO. We have excellent relations with many members of the EU, European Union. I guess, so, the, I guess the fear yeah, would be I mean, that someone would sort of say, look, if you want to stay in that Five Eyes group, guys, you need to come on board with this too. Are you part of the club or aren't you? Yeah, but, I mean, you know, when I've spoken around to American diplomats, I don't think the Americans see it as a game changer. Right. And the, I don't think the Australians do. I think they recognise they have a vested interest in New Zealand being a healthy liberal democracy which shares the ideas. It doesn't, you know, in a sense, New Zealand may be of more use to its Western allies outside AUKUS than in it. Hmm. Last and, thing. Uh, that's something that needs to be pondered. Last thing, Robert, before I let you go. The, obviously, you. obviously, there's a parochialism that is in play in every part of the world in your own country. You kind of think you punch above your weight, you think you're important, you see yourself yeah. in other foreign media and get excited. Is New Zealand, what sort of level of importance, voice, respect does New Zealand's position have in the world, whether it's through soft power, through whatever. Are we are we irrelevant or are we worth something more than our numbers suggest? I would say that New Zealand's international reputation has grown dramatically in the last 10 years or so. And the reason is, is not 
necessarily because of what our politicians have said. Or, uh, it's also because our government, the Jacinda Ardern government, was confronted by three major challenges. Uh, the terrorist, the, the appalling terrorist atrocity of March 2019, then the, the White Island tragedy um, in which a number of Australians died, and then on top of that, COVID-19. In each case, uh, the New Zealand response, the decision-making that occurred, did win a lot of admiration internationally. Mm. And, um, and Jacinda Ardern also, as Chris Luxon's readily admitted and conceded, also was a politician who caught the imagination of international observers. And as she travelled, she won over lots of audiences. So I think in New Zealand's international standing is quite high, but that also means that we may be expected to do more in the future. And many countries see us as a minor power rather than a small state. Thanks so much for your time, Robert, and getting foreign policy on the agenda for this campaign. Thank you. Thank you, Toby. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening. There's plenty more where this came from on your Gone By Lunchtime feed. Thanks to Jane, Te Ahe and Samuel and the rest of the team at the spin-off for making the Megapod happen. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at the spin-off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.